my minors of intelligence and consciousness. I'm Rick Brooks, and this is Rick's Mind. Today with me, I have a guest, Justin Herworth, who is a research and data analyst at OHSU. Welcome to the show, Justin. Hi, nice to, nice to be here. Dude, yeah, well... <laughs> We got off to a rough start. I, I've had a, 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 some time off, and I just kept getting tongue-tied, dude. Sorry for that. I, I promise you I'm a professional, and this is not don't my worry. first podcast. Don't, don't be, don't be Justin, don't be afraid, sir. I am rusty. So, dude, thank you so much for doing this. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas and a happy new year and all that jazz. It's good to be back on the mic. I want it, but, I mean, before we were kind of talking – before the show started and you were talking about some crazy shit and I think we got to get back there. But in order for us to, I got to ask you, please, for our listeners, tell us what it is you do and kind of how you got into it. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a research data analyst for OHSU and, um, I also do a lot of, uh, data preparation. Um, and that kind of looks like, Taking uh, tissue and running it through a 7T MRI scanner, post-mortem tissue, so uh, actual human brains, putting them in jars and then putting them into a 7-Tesla MRI to scan them uh, when they are both in hemispheres and when they've been sliced into 6-millimeter slices. Then from there, we take uh, regions of interest or ROIs and we cut those out through a brain dissection process that we've kind of developed. And then I uh, send them off to have them prepared and stained on uh, slides. And once the slides are stained, then we actually scan them through a, uh, a, well, it's a slide scanner. <laughs> and then, yeah, simple as that. It's a slide scanner. It scans yeah, yeah. the slides. And then we take that and we use either immunohistochemistry staining or immunofluorescent staining to develop some data that we can then analyze. And, um, okay. Oh, I've got it. Dude, you said stuff that my dumb brain has no idea. I don't know anything. I, all I all, This is what I got from it. You are cutting into people's skulls and slicing parts of their brains out with regions of interest. Now I'm going to assume the only ROI I know is a return on investment. So this is a, a <laughs> nice creative use of ROI. So you're, you're, you're slicing out regions of interest, which I'm assuming are going to be like probably not tumors, but like maybe gray spots. And um, this is a huge stretch that maybe have to do with Alzheimer's or something like that. And then you're studying it. Is that, is that basically what you're doing? How far off am I? So, so that's pretty that's pretty accurate. Um, yes, it's not gray spots. It's actually what we call white matter hyperintensities are one of our main regions of interest. And sometimes we look for things like infarcts, which are small strokes, or uh, major strokes because that shows pretty severe tissue damage, and we can actually do some pretty interesting analysis around those to see okay, what is uh, stroke tissue look like versus what does healthy tissue around a stroke look like? Um, and, uh, it's, it's a pretty interesting process. Um, so what we do at first is we take, uh, well, my neuropathologist takes the brain, removes it, and then, um, soaks it in formalin for two to three months, uh, 10% what, formalin. What, what's uh, form? Is it like, is this like a preservative? 
Yeah, it's a preservative. Okay. It, okay. it t- turns the um, brain from what's known as a chemical or a bio component to a chemical component. So we no okay. longer consider the brains that we work with like a biohazard. It would be a chemical hazard at oh. that point once it's been preserved. Okay. And then uh, Randy takes out the brain. He puts it in formalin for two to three months. Then he takes the right hemisphere and he dissects it and does a diagnosis based on that information. And then he sends me the left hemisphere and I take it. And as a whole, I put it in a jar filled with fluoriner, which is a chemical that the MRI uh, sees as completely black um, so that we're not getting any you know, useless data just from outside of the brain. All we want is the brain. Mm-hmm. We take the brain, scan it in the MRI, uh, take it back out. Randy slices it on a meat slicer, like a ham slicer. Fuck me, bro. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I couldn't do this. I'm already, I'm, I don't know if you can see my face, but I've been making the most disgusting like, uh, uh, faces of all time, man. Okay, continue. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. It's no, no, not good. And then um, either I or my uh, data manager, or Natalie, my manager, uh, looks at the um, MRIs from both the hemisphere and the... S- oh, he slices it. Hold on. Sorry. I skipped a whole step. <laughs> okay. I like it. Okay. We can continue. So we take, um, we take the slices that Randy has now sliced, put these back in a jar, and then stack them with a little bit of space so that we can see each of the... S- uh, slices, uh, as they are, and then scan them, bring them out, look at the MRIs, both the hemisphere and the slice scans and look for regions of interest. Like I said, and say, okay, so here's a, um, you know, white matter hyperintensity. Mm-hmm. And then we will take <laughs> what Randy has Lovingly called the brain cookie cutter oh, God. or the brain <laughs> hole punch. And it's about a two oh, by two no. centimeter box. Uh-huh. Um, and I will take it and I will hole punch that out of the brain. Oh God. And then Dude. from there we yeah, fix it in uh, paraffin and then it can be put on a sled and then we can stain it. Okay, so you're using paraffin wax. All right. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. you're and then you stain it and that and then and then you're just farcing out data from Yep. Okay, dude. For I've got so how in the hell did you arrive at this career? Like what in your past made you cuz I dude, guarantee I've learned a lot about myself. Number 1, I'll I'll start with the story. I thought a long time ago I was driving uh, back from a bachelor party and there was this wreck and I uh, ended up pulling out to helping the fire department pull out like two dead bodies. And after that, I, I thought I was unaffected. I was like, dude, maybe I'm going down the wrong path studying business. I am, I'm, I'm unaffected by dead people. I, maybe I need to get into being a paramedic or a fireman or some sort of first responder. Like I have the, just, the stomach of a 
stud or whatever. I just, I felt, I felt invincible. I couldn't get out of bed, withdrew from all my classes the next term and was like pretty depressed because they were like my age. It fucked me up. So I, that, <laughs> I quickly realized that I'm not good at with seeing people my age dying or anything like that. How, how are you able to, how did you arrive at this? Like being able to do this and like look at brains all day, it, it this is fascinating to me. I could not do this at all. So yeah, well, how did you get here? So I graduated from Pacific University, mm-hmm. and uh, for about a year, I went back home and I started working construction, oh, and I got my degree in biomathematics. Jesus, and I was like, oh, I really want to find a job that does isn't as physically hard on my body because I've you know watched my dad do construction for all of my life and it's slowly destroying his body and I was like I want to get out of this so at first I applied to a bunch of financial jobs and I was like maybe I'll be a financial analyst because I thought, you know, there's money in that and it's mathematics. So it could be fun. And I had a couple of interviews for that and hated it. The, my bosses were always assholes, uh, people I would never want to work under. And suddenly I was like, I hate finance, but back in college, I did some research. I did some research in uh, pharmaceutical data analysis. Pharmaceutical. Wow, I can say that. Pharmaceutical. Data analysis. Yeah. Sir, it's okay. This is a tongue-tied podcast today, so don't worry about it. I feel better about my little tongue tongue twister earlier. Continue. Sorry. (laughs) No, no, you're all good. And then I did some research in astronomy. Oh. Um. Just oddly enough, it just kind of fell into that way uh, with one of my favorite professors. He just really took a liking to me. Oh, you actually had him on your podcast earlier this year, Todd Duncan. Todd Duncan's my boy. Big fan. Yeah. Big he's fan awesome. of Professor Duncan. Yeah. He's uh, he's a, uh, well, yes, he's a great dude. Yeah. I like him a lot. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, continue. <laughs> no, no, you're all good. And so I was like, I really want to get into research. Um, the problem with getting into research is it's a very closed off. If you don't have the connections, you, it's really hard to find a job. And so I just, you know, went to it and started applying like crazy at OHSU. And I was going to take anything that came my way. And so I applied to 120 or so jobs at OHSU. And then finally, uh, at the very beginning of the pandemic, we're talking day one of the shutdown, I got a call back on a day of a different interview. So I'm going into a genomics research interview and I get a call and they're like, we're from the Department of Neurology. We want to offer you a job. And I was like, I haven't even had the interview yet. How did I get this job? And they were like, no, you had this interview three months ago. Wow. I was like, oh, absolutely. I take this job. I'm going to drop everything and I'm going to take this job. And, uh, 
A little fun fact from when I took the interview, they asked me if I was sorry. going to be okay. My bad. My phone went off. No, okay. sorry. I'm turning it they, on they silent They asked me now. if I was going to be good with live or uh, post-mortem tissue cultures. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. And then I ran into the wonderful world of the brain. And I think at first it really did shock me. I walked yeah. into this lab that just had nearly a hundred brains in boxes and you're just standing there <laughs> flabbergasted. You, yeah. I mean, and just over time it kind of desensitized me to it. And I still definitely, when I go up to the autopsy suite with uh, Randy, because I don't perform any of the autopsies with myself, my heart starts to race and I get a little nervous and I, I'm not ready to see like what might be in there. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So definitely a human brain is a big detachment from a whole human body. Yeah. I, maybe, maybe I'm going to just going to say maybe there before I say, yeah, that so how would, how do you guys procure these brains? Is it all, is it people that have donated their body to science or is it like, um, they've died and we want to figure out why it is they died. So it, it can be a little bit of both. Um, a lot of times for our specific study, uh, Randy runs one of the biggest brain banks in the United OHSU runs one of the biggest brain banks in the United States, uh, fourth or fifth largest. And so we get a lot of people who either want to know what type of dementia or illness their you know family member passed away from, so they'll donate the uh, brain to science as long as, of course, the person was consenting. Uh, when they had the physical capacity to consent. And um, we do a lot of postmortem consents, uh, so long as the person wanted to know what was going on uh, and the family still wants to know what's going on, they'll call us or Randy will call them and say, hey, you were interested in this a couple months ago. You don't have to. Uh, if anything seems wrong to you, uh, don't worry. We won't do anything you're not comfortable with. And they agree, um, to either be a part of the brain bank, um, or they might have a specific, uh, illness that we're interested in and then we'll bring them into our study. So. Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. I, I, um, I would be kind of a, I don't know. I, I definitely wouldn't want yours or Randy's job, Cause that just seems like a very, I wouldn't want to make that phone call. It is for the greater good though. So I bet you get probably a lot of people that are willing to help out, you know, cause they, uh, dementia is a, it's a motherfucker, you know, but for lack of a better word, it is a terrible disease. It robs you of your memories and robs you of your connections. And it's something that I definitely don't want. My girlfriend specializes in that as a, an OT. And <clears throat> I just, I mean, honestly, she tells me terrible stories all the time that I don't want to hear. And it's definitely very depressing 
but <laughs> I'm, I'm the sounding board, but it, I'm, I, have we made any strides in slaying this monster? Are we getting close? Cause I don't want it. I don't want it. If there's a pill I can take, or there's definitely a lot of exercise, like, you know, eating right, sleeping, continuing to learn. will definitely, you know, slow that, uh, reduce your chances not smoking all that nonsense not nonsense but all that stuff it's all good habits but it's definitely not something i i want but as far as the research goes what are what have you discovered any new discoveries we can you can bring to the the rick's mind fam so i can definitely say um that talking with both Lisa, who's my the neurologist the clinical neurologist that i work with and randy uh you definitely you know, you want to live your life as best as you can, um, you know, eat right, exercise. And as you get older, especially when you're older, you want to make sure you're getting all the vitamins that you need. That's what after about 85, uh, that's usually what causes a lot of detriment is people aren't getting the right nutrients from what they eat. They're not eating as well as they should be, and they're not taking care of themselves. Reading's really good for your brain. Uh, but the one big issue is that a lot of this is a genetic issue. And, you know, from about the age of 50 to the age of 85, there's no guaranteed preventative course. And what we're kind of looking at uh, partially is, is there a way that we can in advance find these diseases in people because we can do some altering before it happens but once it starts to occur the damage is kind of done um we have had some pretty interesting strides in um uh, disease modifiers recently uh the first ever disease modifier for alzheimer's came out recently and it's of course not a miracle drug it's not gonna perfectly cure alzheimer's but it does have some proven benefits that it might actually do some of the waste removal that's not happening uh that alzheimer's is causing um again it's only the first of you know what probably will need to be a decade's worth of work or longer. Um, but it is a good start. You know, before this, we haven't had anything that can even touch Alzheimer's. If you had Alzheimer's, you had Alzheimer's and there wasn't really anything we could do. So this is a really good first step. So what, is it just slowing when you say disease modifiers, is it just, slowing the progression of disease or halting it where it's at or what? And is a drug aducanumab? I don't know. John's pinging me. Is that, I don't know. I don't know how to say that, dude. I, I am, I am actually not remembering what the drug is called right okay. now. It was a big, it was actually a big red flag in the community because a lot of people saw this one paper that was like, Oh, it's clearing out, uh, a beta, which is a protein that can't be removed when it's deposited in the brain um, because it's chemically very sticky and sticks together and causes plaques. Same with mm-hmm. uh, tau, which are little binding proteins mm-hmm. in your brain. And they uh, bind up into big plaques that uh, either block signal 
or are the result of things kind of falling apart. And so the, the good news about this drug was that it's something that might help remove some of the a beta from the brain and we can work with that. And that would actually, uh, prevent a lot of the progression of the drug and stop it from getting worse if we could keep part of that out. The issue with it is is it's not 100% effective in all people. Ooh. And it has quite a few side effects oh. um, that you know might not work for a lot of people. So it, it was a big red flag and Lisa, my neurologist who i work under was like i've got a lot of patients calling me and they'll be like being like i need to get on this drug as soon as i can and as fast as i can because it's going to fix all my problems and that's not we we don't unfortunately have any medicines that will um fix this right away and in the long run are we looking at medicines that could probably prevent or um you know end dementia sure but there's no you know guarantee that there's not something else we're not recognizing that's true one one sec john what's up um excuse me so the that drug i i don't know how to pronounce it either uh the the brand name of it is uh, Adahelm. Um, I think this is what you're talking about. I got this from the Alzheimer's Association. Yes. Uh, yes. That it is a, uh, it removes uh, beta amyloids. So I think this is the one that you're talking about. I'll have a link yes. to it in the show notes. You heard it here folks. first, folks. Jeez, there it is again. I got to get a new chair, man. Every time You've been I off for in, a week and you're already out of out of shape. Yeah, yeah. Every time, every <laughs> every time I sit in this chair, I just slowly start to like decrease in size. It's it's bad. Um, but anyways, man. Yeah, that is. Um, I get I, it's kind of exciting, right? In the in the sense that we're there's a drug that is helping. Alzheimer's, but um, do you happen to remember what some of the side effects were? Uh, not right offhand. Um, we're not quite as geared around. I mean, Lisa is a clinical neurologist, but um, right now we're pretty much focusing on data collection because that's where we're at in this um, project. So my uh clinical knowledge of the medications is pretty limited. Yeah. Yeah. No, no worries. So I want to say this. I admire you. Um, One of the things that I love about you is that you applied for 120 jobs. I think that is fucking (laughs) badass, dude. That means, I mean, to me, that means you're driven and you're not taking no for an answer. And for whatever door presents itself, you're willing to knock on 50 more doors and, and eventually kick one down. So I think that's super cool, dude. And that you're the right guy for this type of, of work, man. I mean, you went in there. So it, 
prior to this, did you have any experience handling post-mortem tissue at all? Um, it seems like I, I, it seems like that might be a, have been a little bit out of your scope, uh, being that you were a, a math, a, a, ma- a medical, was it a medical math major, a biomedical a math major? Biomath major. Bio-math, yes. Okay. So I, uh, I actually modeled biological systems using mathematics. That was what I kind of really focused on in college. Dude, that's super I, interesting. I had never once had a interaction with postmortem tissue, except for like frogs. And, yeah, you know, I, I fucked with the frogs in, 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 in college and in high school too, dude. So... It's but dissecting an animal is a lot different than dissecting or looking at a human being, you know. So you just kind of the first day you just you just winged it, dude. You were just like, or how long was it before you started handling brains? So because of the pandemic, I um, actually was working um, remotely for the first four or five months. And then on the very first day I come in, um, we had a backlog of these uh, six millimeter slices of brain tissue. And so what I had to do was I had to set up two uh, what we call slice scans. And so I would take a six millimeter slice of brain and I would lay it on a plastic like plate, essentially, with three rungs going up. And then I'd put spacers. I'd put another plastic plate on. And then I'd lay the next slice of brain on. And I would line it up so that it was as aligned as it could possibly be. And it was the weirdest 3D puzzle of my entire life. Oh my God. And at this point I've done, you know, 50 or 60 slice scans and I've become so desensitized to it that I'm like, Oh, this is kind of fun. It's, it's like a really cool 3d puzzle oh every time I do God, it. Dude. So you, you did the, how, again, how long before you started de- interacting with these things? Uh, probably Three or four months. Okay, so they 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 didn't just they eased you into it a little bit, and then you're just like, all right, here you go. A little bit. It was definitely shell shock when I got in and I stepped into the lab, and there were just brains everywhere in in Ziploc baggies. That's that's the thing that really gets to you is there are brains all over the place in Ziploc baggies. Oh, that's Um, so crazy. That's so funny. And they're, they're, you know, they're of course in the right types of, you know, preservatives, so they're not getting nasty or anything. Yeah. But it it was definitely shocking, and I'll definitely never forget some of my first, like the first time I pulled out a hemisphere um, from a bag and was just holding the left hemisphere of a human brain, and I was like. This is really weird. Yeah. Um, and there is a uh, a project that works with eyeballs that oh, no. uh, Randy's 
been working on. And the weirdest experience I ever had was I pulled a hemisphere out of a bag and I'm like, Oh, this is kind of weird. What's stuck in the ventricle? No. And I'm like, what's this? And so I grab it and I lift it up. And it is a human eye. Oh God. And so Just I looking back at run to my look- neuropathologist, Randy. And I'm like, Randy, uh, is this supposed to be in our projects? And he was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Just uh, keep your eye on the ball, Justin. Oh, fuck. Get <laughs> Oh, my dude. No, 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 nope. I would have noped the fuck. I want to nope the fuck out day one. Go ahead, John. I'm just I'm just sitting here loving this. I'm so glad that we're on YouTube now because just. The faces that you are making, Rick, is just, it's well, it's wonderful. It's I'm just fucking wonderful. horrified, dude. I'm not going to lie to you. I love you, but I'm horror. I could not do this. Like, did, I got to ask this. Do they, um, do they smell bad? Or does it just, does it smell like chemical, you know? like it, It's a pretty chemical smell. Okay. It's not a, there's no bad smells. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, if you're sensitive. It's it's gonna make you sick. I think I'd throw it. Right. There there are people who really can't handle it, and if your senses are strong, uh, you'll have problems. And there have been times where we have had you know tissue that has not been properly stored that I've had to deal with, and uh, I can definitely say that I was super thankful that it was in the middle of the pandemic because I was wearing a mask and I was taking. Uh, eucalyptus oil Dude, and dripping that into my mask. Dude, uh, I can't. So that I couldn't smell anything. Oh, fuck. Dude, no. Nope. You're <laughs> you're an American hero, sir. I just I'm dude, I'm I'm on I'm horrified. I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm trying to be professional, but I just I'm so <laughs> I'm so grossed out by this. It's not I was not expecting this. I, I love, you know what? I love this podcast. Cause you just never know who you're going to talk to. And I thought that this conversation would be going one way, but now like I'm just honing in on that. Like the, this facet of the job. Cause it's just, it's so interesting how many worlds there are. And, uh, that and it's kind of, I think it's amazing. I knew nothing about this. I, mean, I didn't know, any, I didn't know the study was going on. I didn't know that you could model uh, health systems with math. I mean, I'm, I probably could have put two and two together, but that's super interesting that that's a, a, an actual degree. Um, and I, my brain is not geared toward stuff like that. And, and how long do you see yourself in participating with this study? Or how long is this project going to be going on over at OHSU? So the project as of right now is a five-year grant. Um, We're probably looking at an extension because of the pandemic, you know, things really got slowed down. Um, But for me, uh, I am actually looking into going to pursue my PhD at OHSU um, in about a year uh, and hoping to continue working on the project while I'm working on my PhD in bioinformatics. Uh, That's my goal right now. But, you know, in six months that could change. 
<laughs> yeah. And what are you, what are you planning on doing with bioinformatics? Like what, uh, what, how, how are you? Yeah. What, what did I t- tell me? What is your, what are some of your plans? Cause we are at the edge of my knowledge right now. I have no idea. I am a, I'm, I'm, I'm swimming blind right now. So what, like, what is your plan with bioinformatics? How do you plan on making the world better? So I would really like to use it in a way to look at, you know, genes or some sort of uh, cancer application or any sort of application really where we've got these huge data sets that have so much information um, and they just need people to process them. We just don't have enough people out there who are really skilled in processing, you know, big data. And so my dream is kind of to set up a uh, situation where I'm not bound by any one project. You know, hopefully I'll be working on, you know, neurology projects and cancer projects and just trying to give a little insight into uh, how things are going or what medications we can use to treat things in a better way or um, treatments that'll be effective in these situations through the eyes of data and what uh, just numbers do really provide. It's kind of an art form, in my opinion, what numbers provide um, because they can say so much and it's kind of concrete and hard to argue with if the numbers are actually there. I mean, there's also the artwork of making shit up in numbers. Let's be honest. I mean, I can, I am skilled enough in data analysis that if I so choose, I can look at a small enough um, sample size or I can bend the data or look at a specific population and say whatever I want. But my goal is to never do that and is to always look at what is the overarching message of the data and how can we use it to really benefit the world. Oh, yeah, man. And I'm glad that you mentioned that you can manipulate data in a way to make it say whatever you want. Um, I don't think that most data scientists are doing that, but there are obviously like there are the few rogue that will. Um, and to be honest, I'm not nearly smart enough to 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 decipher whether someone's bullshitting me math is definitely not my strong suit um i mean i think someone said on a daily basis with all the um social media and the use of the internet we we produce more data in a day than um we ever have in the history of humanity and through artificial intelligence or or you know algorithms whatever supercomputing they're I'm I'm sure that some of these companies have figured out the types of uh, like consumer profile consumer profiles like that are I mean I know Target in one case sent um, baby material to like a 17 year old girl and her father was enraged but later he found out she was pregnant just by the data that they had they they were able to model like this is these are things pregnant people buy and we need to market to her so. Um, it's, it's an interesting, interesting world. I'm glad that the, the medical community, I'm sure they've been caught on, but I'm, this is the first I'm hearing of it, right. Is, is now using that to their benefit and are going to be solving problems that we have, which is awesome. Um, 
I, I, I'm, I'm going to, dude, we definitely going to have you back on the show 100% just cause like your career and your trajectory is very, very intriguing to me. And I definitely think you're going to find or do something incredible. You're already off to an amazing start, dude. And you have the, um, um, the right amount of grit to be in this space, dude. So kudos to you. And I'm going to be watching you uh very carefully going forward man and, and i'm sure you don't live that far away so we might have to go get a beer at some point yeah absolutely <laughs> uh, you know sammy uh i'll be down to visit her in not too long so. yeah yeah that's fantastic man that's fantastic well i mean it's gonna be it's, it's a bit of a, it's, it's a bit of a shorter one but dude i i really appreciate you coming on the show and doing this and and giving uh teaching me uh, about brain dissection and a, a little bit about what you do, man. Do you have uh, any social media you want to give out? Anything like that? Uh, no, not particularly. <laughs> no, no worries, dude. You're off that. You're off that shit. That's really, really smart. Well, Justin, again, dude, I really appreciate you, man. And uh, thanks for listening, folks. It's good to have you back. It's good to be back. Thanks for listening. Um, if you feel so inclined, go ahead and smash that like button. Uh, also, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. That helps. Uh, give us five stars. We love you guys. And we got some really, really exciting stuff for you in 2022. So stay posted and we'll talk next week. Peace. Peace.